Welcome back to another episode of the Philosophical Podcast. I am your host, Justin Kristen. And before we hop into today's episode, I want to share a little nerdiness with you. I am recording my first episode on what is my brand new microphone. It's exciting. It's probably not as exciting to you, but I would love to know if you guys notice any sound quality difference between previous episodes and this one. And if it sounds better, please let me know. But if it sounds worse, please keep it to yourself. (laughs) Uh, Let's jump in today's episode. Uh, So what I did is I hopped on this thing called the internet. And I don't know how to explain the internet. I really don't. But it's this place. It's this, this virtual place. Enough joking aside, I hopped on Google and I typed in popular fitness questions. So what I'm going to be doing is answering a few of the more popular fitness questions that line up with also the types of questions that I get from my clients. And I think the first one that we should address or that we should we should attack is the the myth of spot reduction. So a lot of people, if you ever notice, and maybe it's you, it, it used to be me, a lot of people you see working on abs every day because they think they want to lose belly fat or stubborn belly fat. So they work on their abs. So working on your abs, what that's going to do is it's going to give you the underlying muscle. It's going to build those abdominal muscles, but it's not going to specifically take off the the, the fat layer that is on top of your stomach. So everybody has muscles. Everybody has abs. Everybody has the muscle there. Some muscles are more defined than, than others. But when it comes to seeing abs, when it comes to seeing your abs pop through, what that usually is, is when you see people with washboard abs or when you see people with lines on their their stomach that are well-defined, it's because they are at a lower body fat percentage. And how do you get to a lower body fat percentage? By eating in a calorie deficit, by eating eating fewer calories than than you're, you're outputting. So eating in a deficit, you're exercising and your output is more than what you are consuming in a daily in the daily basis. So if you want to see your abs, yes, doing ab exercises will help you, but you are not attacking the fat in that specific area. You are burning calories overall, but genetically your fat and your, where you want the fat to come off is, the fat's going to come off where it wants to come off at. So when I was losing weight, when I was overweight, the, the first spot that I really noticed was my face, but it was also my belly because that's where I had the most to lose. And my legs were usually pretty lean. They always have been. And so really the midsection, my muffin top, my my chin, my face, that's where I started to lose my weight. You can't pick to lose your weight in your arms. You can't pick to lose your weight in your abs. What you can do is you can stay consistent and you can eat in this calorie deficit and you can start to burn overall fat. Unfortunately, the fat is going to come off where it wants to come off first. But yes, building the underlying muscle might help your abs show and pop through at a a slightly higher body fat percentage, but it's not specifically burning the fat in that specific zone that you work out. So if you do bicep curls for every day, you are building that bicep muscle, but you are not specifically, and maybe you are just genetically, but you are not specifically attacking that fat that might be on top of the, the, the bicep muscle. So I'm, I'm glad we addressed that one first. All right, I'm, I'm glad we addressed that one first. So the next question that lines up with the internet plus what my clients may ask me is, should I do cardio or should I be strength training? And 95% of my clients, 95% of the people that I talk to, 
tell me in some form or another that they want to quote unquote tone. So this kind of ties in with the, the spot reduction on like the belly fat or the arm fat. Toning, in order to tone, you need to take off some body fat and you need to build some muscle because that'll create the look that, that tone look that you're looking for. When I first started, we're going back to my experience, when I first started losing weight from the 270 pounds, I, all I did was run. I, I ran and ate better. I've, I've told the story before, but my idea of being healthier, I didn't have a specific goal in mind, but my idea of being healthier was run or exercise, which was running, quote unquote running, and eat better or eat less. That's all I had in mind. So when I ran, and what ended up, what ended up happening was I had the idea that I was going to be this, this tone look. When I got down to 220, I looked at myself, and I was happy. Don't get me wrong. I was, I was very happy, and I was very pleased, and I was very motivated by myself. But when I got to that 220, I thought, this is not what I expected. So what's the next step? And at this time, going through high school, playing sports, taking weight training classes on a daily basis for four years in high school, I have an athletic background. I'm, um, I shouldn't be scared of the gym, but signing up for a gym was scary because it was something that I hadn't done for a while. So then I started lifting weights, and then that's when that tone look, or that's when the body that I was expecting before started to take shape. So if you want to tone, then I would say a combination of cardio and strength training. Strength training. What I would not do if you're looking for that tone look is not do any strength training because it scares you. And oftentimes that's the reason people don't do any sort of weightlifting is because they're scared, one, mainly of what other people might think of them doing it. So if, if they feel like they're out of place and they think that other people are watching them, which is for, most, for the most part is not true. People don't care. People, people are too wrapped up in their own thing to care about what you're doing, but that's scary. The other thing that is scary is, or I guess that scares people, is I don't want to injure myself. And for the most part, your body is pretty resilient. And as long as you're not doing anything stupid, and what I mean by that is we talk about taking the first easiest, most logical step on this podcast. And that doesn't mean going in there and throwing four plates onto the bar and trying to squat it. It's, it's building into, it's checking the ego at the door and it's doing what your body will allow from the beginning and slowly building up. The, 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 the process of being who you want to be is not an overnight thing. As much as we like to blame other things or external factors for what got us into a position of whether it's being overweight or not liking what we're seeing in the mirror, it didn't happen overnight. Just like your success is not going to come overnight as far as taking the weight off or, or, or creating the body that you desire. So don't, don't go into the gym thinking I am going to lift what I did in high school or don't go into the gym thinking I'm going to run 10 miles when you haven't ran for half a mile because the risk of injury is higher than. Start slow, start small. Do it piece by piece and, and work your way into Work your way into if you want to do 10 miles or work your way into the four plates, whatever it is, but check the ego at the door. Nobody cares what you are doing, and the people that do care have more problems than, than you for being there, but focus on you. 
your your strength, your max out number, your your starting point is probably going to be different than everybody else's. Even if you have a twin 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 sibling, like you guys might have different starting spots. The whole thing is is do that first step and don't be scared of hopping in the gym. Don't be scared, but do it smartly. You're not going to hurt yourself. You're going to build a resilient body. There's this book called Anti-Fragile that I just finished reading not too long ago, and they talk about things that things that s- seem bad but are actually good. So, for instance, when, you, when you're tearing down your muscle by lifting, it's actually good for it because then it repairs itself and it builds and it gets stronger and it gets... It gets more resilient, and that's what we need to look at. Is we need to look at how to how do we build a resilient body and a resilient mind? How do we get ourselves to get in this this habit of going to the gym? How do we get ourselves in this mode of not just being vain about our bodies, but truly understanding and truly starting to self uh, build self love for ourselves? And that's that's my whole goal with not just this podcast, not just my training, but just life in general, how do I make my life better to where it trickles down and it makes the people around me, their lives better? Because when their lives get better and they start doing it for themselves, then they pass it along to their network of friends. And then all of a sudden you have this ripple effect and it goes in with me doing it, turns into the people around me doing it, turns into the people around them doing it. And it, and it just builds out. So Taking it a step at a time, I know I kind of went on a ramble on this one, but but to answer the original question, it's usually a combination of both cardio and strength training. Just do not be afraid to lift weights. If you're a woman and you're worried about getting getting bulky, pretty sure you're not going to. Like it's genetically, the reason that men build more muscle is just the testosterone. But it's you're going to get strong. You're going to build the body you like. You're not going to get bulky. All right. So the next question that we're going to address is what is the best exercise? There is no best exercise. The best exercise is the exercise that you're willing to do consistently over the course of time. If your exercise program is non-existent right now, do not think about trying to have the best program or do not think to come up with what's the best way because that that thinking that got us into this place of we we need something to change, we need to get out of the, the mindset of the quick fix and we need to get into the mindset of long-term sustainability. Regardless of your age, you have plenty of time left in your life and you might as well start today Quit looking for that quick fix. The best exercise is the exercise that you're capable of doing over the course of time consistently because that's how you're going to see your progress. There's some people that I do mainly the same probably six to eight exercises every time that we work out because there's no point to add in nuanced exercises or variations of exercises when you can get the bulk of the progress from doing the same thing over and over. And it, it sounds too easy or it sounds too simple to be true sometimes, but it is. It's that easy. If you wanted to do just squats, body squats for the next three months and it was something that you can consistently do, you would see some progress. 
So the best exercise is the exercise that you're capable of doing consistently over time. Same thing with your diet. The best diet is the the diet that works for you. If you like keto, perfect. Is it something you can do over the course of time and stay consistent with it and it gets you to your goals? Perfect. Is it something that I can do? I've never tried it, but I honestly don't think so. But my diet works for me and my diet is not perfect. But finding not the perfect exercise, but finding the perfect exercise that works for you. Because ultimately, what, what ends up happening when people ask me about doing the perfect exercise, I tell them something like squats. And immediately they say, well, I have bad knees. I can't do squats. Okay. Well, you asked. So now what? It's the same thing with food. Is I will say, people say, well, what can I eat to get more protein? And I'll say something along the lines of, well, I boneless, skinless chicken breast is something that I eat quite a bit. I, ugh, I don't like that stuff. Okay, so what do you want me to tell you? (laughs) The whole thing is, is you got to find the thing that works for you. And I can give you tips and I can can be helpful, but I'm not there to do the work for you. I'm there to be be with you, to to help you strategize and, and to hopefully let you see that it's not this one exercise, it's not this one this one session that we're going to do. It's it's something that it's going to take time. And some people it's quicker than others, but find what you can do and do it consistently over time. And that's how you build good, healthy habits. That's also how you build bad habits, but catching yourself and self-monitoring yourself and asking yourself, am I able to do this? And you don't know unless you try, but that goes back to being scared, scared to try. There's a common phrase out there is treat yourself how you would treat your best friend or how you would treat like your dog, for instance. And it, it, it goes down to if, if, your, if your vet gave you medicine for you to give your dog and they say you need to give this to your dog, would you give it to him? So I'm not telling you to treat yourself like your, your pet, but take care of yourself like your a pet or your your loved one. Talk to yourself like you're a loved one because the things that we tell ourselves are not the things that we tell our friends. The things that we tell ourselves as far as I'm not smart enough or I'm not strong enough or I'm not sexy enough. Try telling that to your friends and see what happens. You ain't going to have very many friends for very long. But we allow we allow ourselves to do it to ourselves. And I do it too. I, I pick on myself too. But for as, for as often as we seemingly can beat ourselves up, we also have to look for the positive and we also have to look to, to build nice, healthier, self-loving habits. And self-love is not accepting yourself for everything you are. Self-love is pushing yourself to be the person that you want to be. To find that potential that you know you have inside of you and to work towards that goal. Whether you specifically know what that is or not, it's pushing yourself to to be the person that you want to be. And I know we talk about this a lot, and I know that's cliche, but it's not sitting around and, and wishing that things would just come to you. It's going out and, and making the world work for you. The phrase that I have written up 
in my bedroom is you don't have to, you get to. And that gratitude, that, that mind shift is think about it. You don't, you don't have to do anything. You get to do it. You're able, you're, you're lucky enough. And no matter the situation, there's a lot of things that I don't want to do. And most of the times it's because I'm scared to do it. But you don't have to do it. You get to do it. You're lucky enough to do it. And then what you, what you end up doing is once you, once you make that mind shift change, you start seeing the world as, oh, the world is happening for me, not to me. Autonomy is something that I want in my life. And I want to have control over my life. I think a lot of people do. And in order to do that, I also have to frame my mind to make it seem that way. I want the world to work for me. I can't, I can't sit here and blame everybody else. I can't sit here and blame my metabolism. Or I can't sit here and blame the car that cut me off this morning for me being late. I have to take responsibility. And I think that's what self-love is. Taking responsibility for yourself and, and pushing yourself to fulfill that potential that you know you have. Because as much as we beat ourselves up, we also know the good parts about us. It's just, it's a lot easier to sit there and feel sorry for ourselves. And it's a lot easier to, to not step up to those challenges because it's scary. It can be uh, anxiety provoking, I guess. But that's another thing is don't tell yourself you're nervous. Tell yourself you're excited. An analogy that I use quite a bit for this actually is when you, whether you're married or you're dating somebody, the buildup to the first kiss, were you nervous? Were you was your heart beating fast? Were you anxious about it? That's excitement. That's the same feeling that we get when we're going into the gym for the first time. No, we're not going to go make out with a barbell. <laughs> but we're excited to be there. But the way we frame it is we're anxious, we're nervous. What are people going to think? We think that same thing when we're going in for the first kiss. You think that, oh, what are they going to think about me? Am I going to, I don't want to mess up. I, I, but it's exciting. That's joy. That's, that's excitement. So I think talking about kissing somebody is a great place to, to end. As always, if you have any questions, please email me, justin at philosophical.com. I am here to help. No judgment passed. If you want to talk about making out with people, that's cool. If you have any questions yourself, I think we're going to spin off, whether it's next episode or in a couple episodes down the road, we're going to answer more of the more popular fitness questions. And what would be cool is if you guys have any questions of your own, you can send them to me and I can answer them on the podcast, which would in turn help you, but would also help the other handful of people that listen to this. But until next time, have a good day.